Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I'm just about a month out from officially having eye surgery. Oh, yeah. And I am... Welcome to the club. So excited and nervous as hell. And I don't think Jared realized how blind I was. (laughs) Anything I should know, any tips, anything I should be... Take the anxiety medicine they give you. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Definitely take that. That's a game changer. But honestly, other than that, it's so, it's truly so simple. Recovery is so easy it's weird, but it's also so fast. And so you don't even linger in that space for very long. I would bring some headphones and like listen to a book if you can to also distract you. I listened to a podcast and I took their anxiety meds and it was truly the easiest thing ever. Okay. Good tips on the headphones. I definitely wouldn't have thought of that. I am doing a slightly different type of surgery than the one you had. So you did LASIK, which Mm -hmm. is essentially for this is a, a little bit gory alert if this bit, bothers you fast forward <laughs> this might be a little graphic so they use a laser to cut essentially a little flap yep that they flip open and then they cut part of the cornea to shape it and then they put the flap back over and and it yep. heals I am doing what's called a smile procedure which is essentially the slightly less invasive version where they're cutting a slit and then the laser like don't even know how somehow goes inside the slit and like cuts it and then pulls the piece out Mm. without cutting a full flap so it's supposed to have a slightly faster recovery but the margin for error the likelihood of needing a revision goes down pretty significantly and it's also supposed to help keep your eyes moister nice Um, yeah that was my biggest complaint after surgery yeah so I'm excited about that definitely nervous but 
I've had so many people in my life that have had such success from it that I'm not like, I know I'll be fine. It's more of the like day of nerves than the like aftermath, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was very anxious day of just because I mean, the whole concept of cutting your eye is not fun. (laughs) Yeah. But they do, at least for me, they put in these drops that kind of blurred my vision. And so there's no world where it's like, scalpel laser like right in your eyeball and you see it all so clearly yeah even if I have my contacts out I'm not going to see anything anyway right right. so I'm actually probably even more so than the day of I am dreading so I can't wear contacts for three days prior Mm. and I haven't worn glasses in so long that when I do, do you even have any I do have a pair that are a couple prescriptions old, but what day the issue surgery on? It's on a Wednesday, okay. so I, I can't wear contacts for three days prior. So I already literally marked myself as like not available yeah. for meetings because I will be so nauseous. Yeah, because I get like a kind of Coke bottle view when I wear yeah. glasses and it feels like I'm in a fishbowl because my prescription's so strong, but I don't necessarily mm-hmm. have really thin lenses. So I am mm-hmm. dreading wearing glasses for three days before. Yeah. Yeah. But it'll be worth it. Yeah. I'm just ready for it to be over. Yeah. I'm excited for you. I wonder how different it will feel for you. Cause I was someone who, I mean, I could barely even wear contacts prior to mine because my astigmatism was so bad. I had like contacts would just pop out of my eyeball. So I wore glasses primarily leading up for years leading up to my surgery. And so it was a very big difference for me of like the next day, like not having to put on my glasses to see in bed and like I still sometimes will find myself. It must be when I'm just like anxious to like do the old mannerisms that I used to do when I was wearing glasses, like push them back up on my nose or like feel them behind my ears and they're not there. (laughs) And I did this like six years ago. I definitely don't anticipate much change in like my day to day life, but I just really want to slow down the progression of because mine keeps. Yeah, it keeps changing every year. I was needing a new prescription. And I mean, I'm already borderline where like, not that they wouldn't have been able to do some sort of corrective surgery, but I'm borderline that like, this is my window to do this kind, or it would probably have to be a slightly more archaic version because of the degradation. But theoretically, I shouldn't need glasses until I need uh, reading readers. That's what they told me too. And so it could be probably as much as 10 years, but probably more like seven or eight years before I would need. Well, I'm at six years. I thought I would need readers this year because definitely my eyes have been blurry and my nighttime vision is non-existent, but I tried on even the lowest strength of readers and it was still way too much. And so mine is more eye strain because of the computer. And so one thing you should do though is grab some very good blue light glasses after because and I need a couple more pair because I need them like readers where there's like one up here and one downstairs and one everywhere because when I wear them consistently oh it's a game changer in headaches in eye dryness in eye blurriness and all of the things yeah so So I do have that but yeah I'm excited for you I'm excited for me too (laughs) 
But it's finally time. I was really worried I wouldn't get approved because of my history with the TBI, but I've yeah, I haven't had vision symptoms in long enough that they were really confident about moving forward. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I uh, it was and technically it could have been. They offered me a couple other dates, but I only did it that far out because Jared didn't want me to be nauseous and annoying for Valentine's Day. So, <laughs> uh, you guys celebrate Valentine's Day? Do you guys will, will you guys do stuff? We're sort of like in between, where it's like yeah. not like a huge deal, but like we still do cards, and I mm-hmm. I make him get me flowers, and <laughs> and usually make him cook because I primarily cook. But we might go out. We'll see. I don't know. It just kind of depends. There's some nuanced things going on in our yeah. personal life right now that I I, I have no yeah. idea how the next few weeks will go yeah. down. So. I'm trying to be very mindful of when we're scheduling our monthly wine tasting so we don't hit the Valentine's crowd because it gets so crowded and it's so ridiculous. And so we need to do that either like now or at the end of the month. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, the next seven or so days are, are kind of a wash. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, we promised y'all an episode of breaking down some of the tactics and conversation that Abby had when she went to a conference a couple weekends ago. And it was all about how to actually live more by doing less. And it's my favorite conversation. And so mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear what you brought from it. And I should have saved it. Maybe I did save it. Actually, I do think I saved it, but I should have had you watch this before we hit record because some of this conversation for you, I think is very beneficial because you're a natural people pleaser. And I think a big part of why it's a little bit harder for you to like, quote unquote, do less is because of those people pleasing tendencies. And so this TikTok I saw kind of broke down like and I know you know this, so this isn't me being like, you're actually a toxic person. Like That's not what this is at all. But it talked about how people pleasing is really, really can be rooted in a lot of toxic, like subconscious manipulation behaviors. And so I think it's important if we know our natural tendencies of how we approach things to kind of look at it from all angles. So I'm actually going to pause this and you're going to watch it and then we'll come back. So... So I watched the video and the video is definitely talking to the behavior of someone who is a chronic people pleaser and specifically how the behavior is typically rooted in a search for love or acknowledgement. Now, I have done a lot of digging (laughs) and self-reflection and a decade of therapy. So I am fully aware that my people-pleasing tendency is a trauma response to keeping myself safe without getting too into it. I grew up in an environment where emotional explosions were rampant and I wanted to do anything and everything to keep a calm, peaceful, predictable environment And so my people-pleasing tendencies was rooted in how can I create a space that I can Mm live-ish in and continue to feel as safe as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, having been removed from that environment, I'm now almost old enough, not quite, (laughs) where I've lived 
almost as many years away from that environment as I lived in it. Mm-hmm. And I am much more aware of my, cause it's, as much as I'm removed from it, it's still my automatic response to work. Because you were in that environment in your formative years. Absolutely. That's a big part of that. Right. So it's in my tendency to want to not just people please, but keep a peaceful, calm place. Mm -hmm. And I do have abandonment issues. And (laughs) so... (laughs) a search for love is constant and without getting too into my own insecurities (laughs) I in the same way that someone with ADHD might suffer from the out of sight out of mind scenario if someone is not constantly reassuring me that they continue to care about me my brain assumes that they just stopped yeah. all of a sudden for no mm-hmm. reason or for mm-hmm. no action. Mm-hmm. And so I need to have reinforced, not just behavior, but actual words telling me to feel loved. Now, keep in mind, I went to this conference because my mom is going through a challenging time. And one of her favorite authors was going to be speaking and I was like, sure, I'll be with you. I had no preconceived notions about what I needed to take away from this weekend. It was really just about supporting my mom, which is ironic given the fact that we just talked about people pleasing. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was a very different type of conference. You know, Emily and I used to speak at quite a few and travel to various ones. There wasn't a ton of speakers. There wasn't breakouts. It was so simple. There was literally three speakers over the course of two days. Wow. And so it was, it gave you a lot of time to to reflect on what people were actually saying and also not leave feeling quite so drained and like you can't do anything for a week after to recover from being that immersed in an environment. Now, I'm just going to quickly go through the first two speakers because I do think there are incredible women that are well worth some research, especially if these topics interest you. And then I'll focus on the speaker that was the reason that we went to the conference and why I had the takeaways of doing less. So the first speaker of the weekend was Cece Jones Davis. And she is a justice advocate. She has spent a lot of time working with various groups and as well as creating her own to help free wrongfully accused prisoners. And she actually helped get someone off of death row in Oklahoma. And he's still in prison despite him being not guilty in the situation but there there's still a lot of hoops to jump through for that now from her i definitely got the conviction that where you feel called like you do not need to be limited by what other people think you should do on how you should show up you get to decide mm-hmm. how you want to show up and it's easy in a lot of situations to feel sorry for someone, but not necessarily called to take action. And so she felt not just 
she didn't just hear a story, but she heard a story and then felt called to do something about it. And I think that's a huge gift, a special gift. And she is a strong woman who will really make you think about how you're showing up in this world. And for me in this season right now, the main thing was, I'm not sure I'm strong enough to show up in the strength that she's in. So I need to work on myself before I can even give that much of myself away to someone else. I'm just not in the season where I can. Well, and I think there's also the very fair question, just like we talk about asking, do you even want that kind of growth or to say that kind of growth in your business? Do you even want to ultimately be that kind of person who shows up for people in that way? Right. And it doesn't necessarily need to be in that topic. Like, you know, if you're talking about social justice as an example, my mom and I were speaking on it just briefly. And I was like, I'm not sure if that's the direction I would go, but I could see myself being just as loud to talk about animal welfare or animal testing. And, you know, it's okay that different topics are the things that spark you action. But if social justice is at all something you're called into, CC is doing so much and you could absolutely learn from her. Now, Caitlin B. Curtis was our next speaker. She is indigenous and she talked a lot about what it's like to be native in a world full of white supremacy and how you can continue to show up for yourself and for your environment. And she talked about self-care, caring of others, and specifically caring for the earth. Now, the interesting thing, and I won't, you know, we typically don't talk much about religion here, but I will specifically say, if you're a person like myself who struggled with the idea that you feel related to the spiritual world of like connecting with the earth and grounding and maybe even crystals and (laughs) the moons and all of those things. And you're religious and you felt like those things were in conflict with each other. She was the first person I ever heard speak that I felt like you could be fully both. To me, that was a huge eye opener that there are actually other people on this planet that like can be fully both and how she interwove her faith journey with her spiritual journey was really powerful to me. But she gave a couple of pieces of homework. And I think there was some great takeaways from that. And I'll give you the five because I think they're great for anyone and everyone. But she specifically talked about creating a journal called your Mother Earth Journal, where you speak to the land and the environment around you and what you want for it and how you want to give back to it. She talked about researching your food and the farmers who produce your food and just learning more about how we grow plants and animals in the United States and how it comes to your table and how you might want to show up differently. Cause I know I have over the years, absolutely tried to source more food from local farms and things like that. She also t- said that we should talk to our houseplants. And <laughs> I talk to my houseplants all the time. <laughs> and I, uh, it's funny because this weekend I came home and we have a money tree. And this money tree was given to us the day we closed on our first house. 
and we've watched it grow over the years. And it's one of our oldest house plants because it was the first one at our first house. But it's been going through a season right now. And so we were replanting it. I was like, I think it needs a deeper base so that it can have stronger roots so that it can continue to grow. And I had done a lot of research about it, but I was like, okay, before we move on, I need to have a conversation with you. <laughs> so I, I talked about how it's been such a representation of our growth and our wealth journey and all of this stuff. And that don't fail me now. <laughs> I saw this TikTok video forever ago where someone did a time-lapse like video study of talking to plants mm-hmm. and they would speak positively. They would speak negatively. They would also have like a fight in front of the plant that wasn't about the plant, but with like someone else and plants 100% react to the energy in the room, like, even if it isn't directed at them. And so like, if there's a plant that's like in a room where you like always argue with someone, for instance, like maybe think about the environment for that plant for a second and put it somewhere else. But I have a plant here that it's only a a couple years old, but it is one of the plants that I am the most proud of because it's a notoriously difficult plant and I have done really well with it and it is growing and being amazing and beautiful and all the things. And so we talk all the time, but I also have a plant who was gifted to me that is decades old, decades upon decades old, and she's thriving. And so we have conversations too, because I'm like, hope you like your new house. Thank you for being here. Yeah. No, and my plants really have thrived being at this house versus the last house. There's so much more light. There's so much more opportunities for them to thrive. Anyway, I was reminded I should talk to them more. And it reminded me specifically of a study where they were looking at water, I think it was, and they were looking at the crystallization of water when negative words had been spoken versus positive words had been spoken and the images Mm -hmm. of the literal crystals that it forms was just, I mean, it was very clear that positivity has an energy to it and it can speak. Now the next thing she brought up, which I think Emily would back up and have way more to say about is she talked about researching colonization and I would add to that researching, we're in Black History Month, and I think a lot of what we were taught in school is not necessarily the full truth or the full Mm -hmm. version of what actually happened, and there's so much to learn, and I know I'm definitely on my own journey there too, but... And why critical race theory is so important. Investigate critical race theory, bring it up into your public school systems. If you live in Florida, vote appropriately because CRT is being disbanded and it impacts more than just black people. So go look into it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. If you want more resources there, Emily's DMs. Message me. I've got them. (laughs) And her last piece of homework was talking about taking 10 minutes for mindfulness every day. And she specifically talked ah, about it's hard. Why? How? I know. <laughs> she started talking about like going on a walk is a good way to do it. But she okay. even specifically said 
you know, say it's an icky day, like you could very specifically stand at a window and just like look for birds, like Mm -hmm. just look for birds for 10 minutes or I do that accidentally. I don't look for birds necessarily and I don't do it for 10 minutes. But when I am in a funk, our bay windows downstairs that are just like the most sun, I just like stare at the woods. (laughs) Well, your body is naturally calling you to reconnect. And Mm -hmm. so I think the thought is we are sometimes forced to do it, but if we practice it, we can get better at it. And it has such an ability to make us more of a whole human that feels connected to the world. And so it's why um, I have to be facing a window in my office, no matter what I will arrange my office to face out in the window So I can just sometimes stare at the trees blowing or leaves or literally just outside. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she was incredible. So if you want to focus more on reconnecting to the earth and self-care, but not in the self-care from a buying your way to being well kind of way, but actually just... Having more mindfulness, like, not necessarily about buying a new skincare routine to right. fix yourself kind of thing. Caitlin Curtis, she has got a beautiful sense of calm. I was so relaxed by the time mm-hmm. she was done talking that I could have slept for about four days straight. But like not in a I'm bored kind of way, but in a like my soul was calm. calm. Yeah. 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 So talk about a gift for sure. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it's set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Now, Dr. Kate Bowler is who I'm specifically going to speak more to. She is a professor at Duke University. And for a tiny bit of background, she had a pretty life-altering event some years ago at this point where she was working at the university and she just had this deep sense of knowing that something was wrong. And she walked her booty into the local clinic and through a series of testing and various other things that kind of unfolded, she found out she had stage four cancer while having a four-year-old son at home. And so her talk was not necessarily focused on the challenge of what it's like to have a life-altering event. But she definitely has a ton of content around that. And if if you've been through something personal or you have a family member who's been through something personal. Or a business partner whose life completely changed because of a trip. Right. There's a, she's got podcasts. She's got a series of books. She's got a ton of content on her Instagram. There's definitely ways for you to connect to that. But there was one part of her talk in particular that like really struck me. Well, two, they're kind of interwoven. So she talked about being a human who lives life on a spectrum. And the spectrum is from superwoman, I can conquer the world, I can do anything. And those are fleeting moments where like, we feel so empowered to just do it. And like, we feel ready and engaged and inspired and all of the things. And then on the far other end of the spectrum is fragility. And feeling like, just a puff of the wind could blow us over. And we sometimes I feel both of those things in the same day. <laughs> we're humans. <laughs> and one of the things she talked about with fragility specifically, which I thought was really important, is you know, there's so much talk about codependence and and how how we shouldn't be so dependent on other people in our lives and we should be independent and all this stuff. But she talked about, she talked about in a state of fragility 
where community and support are such an essential part of you functioning and where you have to speak up for your needs and you have to ask for help. And these people can come around you and support you. The toxic rhetoric around being so independent that it isolates you is capitalism, baby. Don't. It doesn't serve you. Yeah. And so when she talked about those moments, I absolutely related to that top end emotion of feeling like I could conquer the world and do all the things. I think a lot of that is what inspired me to be a small business owner. And it's a lot of what charged me at the beginning of this business. And I've absolutely felt the far other end of the spectrum where I was so far gone that I didn't even know I needed other people because I couldn't even function Mm -hmm. in society. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the state I'm in right now in this very time and place for a whole host of reasons that I won't get into because it's none of your damn business. Um, (laughs) But I have been straddling the line where like, I want to do more and I want to like reconnect and like go back out into society and claim more responsibility again and add more things to my life. But I'm so close to the line that I can very quickly slip to the other side and feel like too much is on my plate again. And like, I can't really handle it. And I'm not to the point where I'm going to be broken and on the floor, but I'm enough straddling the line between the two spaces that I'm in conflict with myself. And one day I may feel really great. And the next day I feel like shit and I can't quite explain it. And the idea of asking for help makes me feel small and that's stupid. And anyway, well, so- I think sometimes even if the idea of asking for help seems hard or ridiculous for me, I know I could ask for help, but I don't even know what I need yes. sometimes. And yes. so it's, it's like, why well, I, I fucking have to spend the energy to figure out what I even need to be able to then seek out the support that Mm -hmm. I think that might help. And that feels like too much work. Yeah, it does. And I think this next thing will specifically help you with that because I think often it's not always you're right. And that it is a ton of work to ask for specific help. But if you do this other thing first, I think it can help you not quite get to the place where you're just, like treading water barely, you know? So she specifically talked about this moment where she was sitting in her therapist's office and the news was still fairly fresh with the cancer diagnosis. And she had chosen the path of like, and she acknowledges this, like toxic positivity of I got this and I'm going to fight this and I can do this and I can be a super mom all while all of this stuff happens. And like in those intimate moments of being with their therapist was breaking down and was saying like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I know I want to, and I know I'm going to fight, but like, what am I supposed to be doing? And do you have any advice for me? And he very calmly said, well, actually I do. I got this advice from long haul hikers. And she's like, what? (laughs) So for those of you unfamiliar with what a long haul hiker is, like we're talking people 
the like hike trails across the country. So he specifically was talking about people hiking the Appalachian Trail, which is about 6,000 miles. So they could potentially spend weeks on end on this journey. And so he talked about how young, naive people, not necessarily young as in age, but young as in like new to their Their hiking journey, their hiking journey would specifically try to prepare for a situation. So they're going to try to prepare for everything that could possibly come at them. And so they're going to pack the sleeping bag and they're going to pack the fleece blanket and the six pans and the granola bars and then this and that and the other thing. And they're they're going to pack their pack until they can't pack it anymore for every potential scenario that's going to come their way along this trail. And this is such a common issue that they have literally paid a park ranger to be at one of the first kind of passes, so to speak, along the trail. And I don't know how far into it. I don't know if it's 10 miles, 20, 150. I have no idea. But it's such a common occurrence for people to over anticipate Mm -hmm. that they put a park ranger at this specific point. And his only job is to say, what do you want to put down? (laughs) imagine that sight when you're just like fuck this is heavy (laughs) yeah and so if you take that same vision for your life of like trying to prepare for every scenario and you're carrying all the weight of everything you're doing and you are constantly you know anticipating and all of the things and he specifically said, is there anything you can put down? Mm -hmm. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, God damn it. (laughs) I've been in this place before. And, you know, to the point of like, I remember a few years ago where I put so much down. I put so much down that like it got to the point where my life became quite simple. Like Uh I didn't have a lot of outside responsibilities. I went to work. I wasn't involved in volunteering or nonprofit. I didn't have to report to anyone. I didn't need to check my email for anything. I didn't have kids. Like I'm like, I could just keep going. Like to the point of like in the past I've had, I've been on boards and volunteering for multiple organizations, running multiple businesses simultaneously, like exercising five days a week, cooking meals every single day. Like I could keep going. Like I had added so much stuff to my life and I had gone the polar opposite of putting so much down. And part of that is I remember a concept that had come up. I don't remember who taught me the concept. And I know we've talked about it on the show before where imagine your life is you're juggling a bunch of balls. Yeah. The glass and balls and the rubber some, balls. Some of them are glass and some of them are rubber. Yeah. And you have to continue to handle the glass ones because they're fragile and they do require your attention, but you can put down a lot of rubber balls. They can bounce right back up. They can bounce right back up. You can toss them into the air again in the future. They'll be there waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she talked about this collective place that we're all in after the pandemic of like, we keep, anticipating our before Mm -hmm. the who we were before the pandemic and we're never going to go back 
We're not the same person. And And so many veils have been lifted around so many different areas of conversations about health, about disability, about capitalism, about our careers, about how much money we want to make, where we want to live, what we want to be doing. All of that has been brought up where, yeah, it might not be like directly tied to the pandemic, but if those conversations were forced to be had because of how the world was reacting due to the pandemic, there were a lot of realizations brought to the table for a lot of us to have to face. Yeah, and and she's specifically a researcher, kind of similar to that of Brene Brown, but I don't think it's quite as clinical necessarily. I would say she has more observation than statistical data, but she was specifically talking about watching the New York Times bestseller list. And she said that it had gotten to the point where our society was so focused on Mm self-improvement and self-betterment that they had to pull out that genre as its own genre because every other nonfiction book would not stand a chance to rank. And she had Mm -hmm. hoped that there would be a shift with the pandemic. And she described, you know, if human nature is anthropology. For those of you who've studied anthropology, it is fascinating, by the way. Mm -hmm. But she talked about there's this sort of divide of like who we are as humans and it's everything about us genetically, innately, etc. And then there's this like, I don't know how she described it exactly, but it was almost as though it was this superhuman anthropology of all this like who we could be, who we could grow into, how we could manifest, etc. And she said it had gotten so flighty mm-hmm. pre-pandemic that she had hoped to see the self-help industry as an example kind of lower their standards for okay. what they were expecting of basic human beings and how they would show up in their life. And she's continually been disappointed by what's being released. And that there isn't a lot of talk about how you can just be. Yeah. And that you are inherently enough and you don't have to have this crazy life purpose and pursue all of these, you know, incredible things for you to be satisfied and enjoy life. And so... And because like, I think the overall current theme of a lot of the self help resources out there are, you know, we've talked about this on the show before. Oh, well, you'll feel better when you do these other things, or Mm -hmm. you'll feel better if you create this new routine or this new habit or this new way of thinking. It's hardly ever a reckoning of just how do I handle where I'm at right now without having to change. And that's, that's what I want to focus on. Like, if I were to look at our business as a whole, you know, I think the, in a lot of ways, we're the antithesis of what our industry tells you you need to be. Like, the industry is saying, grow, 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 like, you can do more, you can take on the world. And we're like, take care of you. How are you doing? Are you okay? Is this too much? How can we make 
It what can works. slowing down look like? <laughs> what can slowing down look like? How can you still be supported in a season where you actually work with less clients, but you make more money because you still need money to run your life as unfortunate mm-hmm. as that sounds mm-hmm. because that sucks, but it is necessary. And it's so like, are. how do we take care of you first? And I don't know. It was pleasantly surprising to be in a room where the collective kind of vision that everyone left with was how can I just let some things go and just yeah. like be? Well, it reminds me of the episode we did sometime last year about reclaiming the, well, that was about a different C word, but another one of my favorite C words is contentment mm-hmm. and really understand how we can all, we, we did it from the business lens, but you could absolutely do it from the life lens of when and how can we begin to be content with where we are right now? with our current limitations, with our current access, with our current resources, if there is still the desire to change that, great. But there has to be that thing let go of, I'll be complete when, I'll be happy when, if this happens, then. Our life cannot continue to exist in this if-then situation. It just can't. Mm -mm. And if we can provide any level of support, I want you to know that... In any way we work with our clients, regardless if it's in the incubator or in one of our more intimate coaching experiences or as part of our agency, the collective is all about us showing up for people in a way they don't have access to the support anywhere else. Like if you're building this business on your own, like even if you have a spouse or a best friend or whatever, like they can be there for you emotionally, but they're not going to be able to help you think through the decision having already walked this walk. And right. it's okay to need help. It's okay to need community. It's okay to like come around people who can guide and support you and be fostered. And that doesn't make you less of a person for needing help or support. And Anyway, all of this to say, it gave me a lot to think about, but all of it was in the, how can I be more grounded? How can I be be one or two direct changes or things that you're going to try that came from that? So I think the main thing I'm focused on is at the beginning of this year, I added a lot to my plate because I felt like I was so far removed from society, if that makes sense, where I wanted to involve myself in more community and reinsert myself. And so I am planning to kind of reassess as a whole to really make sure what are the limitations that are going to allow me to keep my battery full and not drain me. Cause at the end of the day, I'm still an introvert. Like I, like there is a way for me to go too hard, too fast. Yeah. at this. And so, you know, I've already kind of assessed that I'm doing, okay, one connect lunch a week, but probably really only three out of four weeks a month. Mm-hmm. I can do that. But then what does it look like to show up for a chamber event? Are we talking going twice a month? Like, what's the amount that's going to make me feel a part of something without making me feel like I've yeah. just volunteered my life away again? Yeah. And, and so. It would have been my previous inclination to like be a part of 
for committees and right. like, be in charge of something. And it's like, what's the 25% version of that? How can I participate without being responsible for something else? Yeah. And also simultaneously looking at in with my life stuff too. And, yeah. you know, I think every three to six months, my spouse and I have a conversation about how we're showing up at home. And for the most part, our personal responsibilities have not shifted that much in recent years, but I'm absolutely going to think about what are the things I'm doing on a weekly or monthly basis and where do I just need to call for help, whether it's him or we hire someone or whatever, like what kind of support do I need? And so tangibly, I also need to be doing that in the business. I just don't necessarily have as clear of a takeaway on how I'm going to be doing Mm -hmm. that just yet. But I am mindful that we're adding a lot of new things to our plate all around. And Mm -hmm. how do I take care of myself in the process? And so I want all of you to be thinking about that too. I am curious though, Emily, from just listening to me Mm -hmm. rant and rave, is there anything that it sparked for you? I don't know. It's, you know, I always go back to it's funny because we have a lot of the same like desires of how we want to show up and be about in the world. My energy levels are just so drastically different than yours. And like, here's an example, guys, coming up in March, I think it's the first weekend of March, we have an event on Friday night, two birthday parties on Saturday, and a major surprise birthday party on Sunday that we are hosting for someone where they're going to be like over 30, probably 40 people in my house. I already took off of work on Monday. I am not showing up because I know I'm going to be so fucking exhausted and cranky and tired. Like I can predict that about myself because I know myself really well. In the past, I would have pushed through that, especially because we're going into spring break that week. So we're already closed on Friday. So it's already a four day week. So I even like hesitated in asking off for it because we're already going to be there for four weeks or four days. I need to show up for my team. I need to understand what's happening. I need to to do this. I need to check this off. And that was already giving me so much anxiety where I just said, it's literally fine. Like there are two founders for a reason. Mm -hmm. There's communication for a reason, especially with such a big notice. It's going to be fine. I need to honor what I know I'm going to need. And so part of my skill is looking ahead and predicting what type of environment am I going to need to be in in order to do that thing? For me, I think the biggest thing that's helped me over the past few years and do actually doing less, not just in business, but in life and relationships and whatever, in order to serve me in a greater way is releasing my expectations for the type of person that I think that I want to be, but ultimately that I don't actually want to be. Mm-hmm. And so for the longest time, I had this idea of the person that I wanted to be because of outside expectations, yeah. because wouldn't it be cool if I was that type of person mm-hmm. and it would be neat. And ultimately that's not how I meant to show up and that's okay. And there are other people who can show up as that person and that's great for them. And so identifying where I can release the expectations of the person that I'm not actually meant to be is something I'm still practicing. Yeah, it takes some time, especially if you're, I don't necessarily think of Emily as a FOMO kind of person at all. I I have it in a different way. I have it in the, this is like, it's going to kind of sound like massive and depressing. I have it in the overall life way of like, 
I want to be experiencing and traveling and doing and showing up and building these things because I do feel like one day I'm going to regret it if I don't do that. And I want to experience joy and all of these things. And then I'm just very tired. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like on a micro level, you're less judgy of yourself about wanting to be involved or not involved in very specific instances. But I can fully see the overall. I think a good example of this was... I can't remember the occasion specifically. Oh, I, this was back on New Year's Eve, but it's coming up for me again because the Super Bowl, you're listening to this after the Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl hasn't happened yet here. And we're in Kansas City and it's a big deal that the big Super deal. Bowl is, <laughs> the Chiefs are playing. But there will be a collective for the next week, regardless of where you go, anywhere in the city, someone will be like, oh, what are you doing for the Super Bowl? And the same thing happened around... New Year's Eve and I got self-conscious because we don't go anywhere. Like mm-hmm. we stay home and like we don't have a big party to attend or any of those things, but I very specifically remember saying, "Oh, like I'll get some appetizers and I'll make it like fun for us, but like we'll just be in our pajamas and da 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 watch some movies, etc." The same thing is true for the Super Bowl, like we'll have fun, we'll enjoy it, but like we're not going anywhere and making it this big ordeal. And when I said that at New Year's, I was very taken aback by there was someone in their 20s who just looked at me like they were so jealous because they knew they were going to have to like immerse themselves in a party that they didn't really want to go to friends and like let it go. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, oh, it's funny because like I never was that person. I always wanted to be that person. I wanted to be her so bad. I wanted to say yes to the invites. I wanted to say yes to like getting ready even after I had my pajamas on. I wanted to be that person so badly and I just never, I couldn't ever do it. I'm not her. I Mm -hmm. like. I'll make good food for myself and stay home. <laughs> so we do host, we are hosting, we hosted for New Year's Eve and we are hosting for the Super Bowl because a hack that I have figured out is even though it is exhausting to host and I need some quiet time the next day, I would much rather get to stay at my own home than go other places, especially on nights where those will be two big events where a lot of people are drinking and then like you leave a party and I'm very anxious about being on the road when it's a big collective party type atmosphere. And so I just get to stay at home and stay safe. And I know, and I do this, that I will absolutely just go into my room. But like, if everyone else is still like watching the game or partying or hanging out like in our basement or our kitchen, I will Irish goodbye everyone. And I have no problems with that. (laughs) It's my favorite thing to do. (laughs) Well, just let this be your collective permission to figure out what you want and like let some things go and like not beat yourself up about what that looks like in both life and business because they're so interconnected like quit (laughs) telling me that you can show up as a different version of yourself at work than at home your bad days at home will make (laughs) it hard to be at work sometimes and vice versa and so You are a whole person that has a lot going on and we want to support you if we can at all. So feel free to pop in our DMs. I'd love to hear from you. What resonated with you? What are you going to put into action? How are you going to reconnect with what you want over at Boss Project on Instagram? 
And if you want to chat about how we might be able to help, how we might be able to be your support system, how we might be able to guide you, especially on the business side of life, feel free to go to bossproject.com slash waitlist, fill out a quick form. You'll book a time with me. I would love to chat. Again, this is completely confidential. I have so many women who come to me who start the sentence with, I'm embarrassed to even say this out loud. Mm -hmm. I'm like, don't be embarrassed. Like I've heard everything. Mm -hmm. This is our business safe space, y'all. And I want to give you a safe environment where you can totally be yourself and be vulnerable about what you need and what's wrong and what's going on and how you need to be supportive. So reach out bossproject.com slash waitlist. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.